Today is Tuesday, January 17th, and we're taking things one day at a time here on the Outside the Oval podcast, the newest running experience on the internet. I'm excited to be here today. I'm glad you've chosen Outside the Oval to be a part of your day, and I'm really looking forward to today's show again. In a little bit, I will be joined by a four-time New Zealand national record holder, Toby Gottler of Eastern Michigan. Toby and I discuss a wide range of topics from Strava, altitude training, racing in the United States, food, and much more. Toby's story to me seems like a prelude to a really exciting story awaiting to be told as I believe he's on his way to doing incredible things and I'm grateful to not only have him join me on the show, but to have created the friendship that has quickly blossomed thanks to this show. I hope you do enjoy my conversation with Toby, which I will direct you to here in a few minutes. And if you do enjoy it, I would greatly appreciate you sharing the show with a few friends or on social media and leaving that big five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is by far the easiest way for us to reach new listeners, and any support is much appreciated. And then as always, if you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me on my email, outsidetheoval at gmail.com. But today's we're going to open the show. I have a few interesting things on social media that I've read. We're going to narrow it down, talk about one of them today, maybe sprinkle in a few here and there over the next few weeks. But professional running is not my area area of expertise by any means. Uh, I'm a little familiar with it, but unless I have a guest on the show who runs professionally, I haven't really gone too far in depth with any pro running aside from maybe the world championships this past summer. However, I did see that Let's Run discuss this topic over the weekend, and there were a few sides to the argument on the message boards, so that excited me enough to want to bring this to your attention. If you do not follow them on social media. All credit to this conversation does go to them. I don't want to be stepping on the territory by any means. But for those of you who don't know, Jakob Ingelbritsen is by far the best distance runner in the world at the moment. He won the 1500 meter gold medal in Tokyo in 2020. He ran an Olympic record en route to that victory. And last year, he won the 5K at the World Championships. And this all comes after he was the favorite in the 1500. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Jakob, he yields from Norway. He has two brothers, Henrik and Philip, who are plenty fast in their own right. And they're widely considered one of, if not the fastest distance running families in the history of distance running. But the discussion to be had today, though, is whether or not Jakob Ingelbritsen should attempt the 1500, 5K, and 10K triple at the 2024 Olympics, otherwise known at the, as the Hassan uh, this triple is in reference, of course, to Stefan Hassan of Ethiopia, who is the only Olympic athlete to win medals in the middle distance event and both long distance track events in a singular Olympic Games. She finished third in the 1500 and then first in the 5K and 10K last Olympic cycle in Tokyo. In entering this event, though, it's expected that Jakob does go for the 1500 and 5,000 meter gold. And this has been accomplished in the past, and it would not surprise me or really anyone else if Ingebrigtsen were to accomplish this next year. However, this conversation strikes me as significant because if Jakob Ingebrigtsen were to march into in uncharted territory, run the 10,000 meters as well as the other two, it would undoubtedly go down as one of the greatest feats in the history of the sport if he were to pull this off, of course. 
And considering the technology we have now beneath our feet, considering how much we know about the human body and how far we can push ourselves to the limit, considering the talent in every field, heck, Britson couldn't even fend off Jake Whiteman from Great Britain in his number one event this past summer uh, in what assumed, and I assumed, was the most surefire gold medal in the entire world championships in Eugene. So moving forward, Ingebrigtsen, he came back after that defeat, of course. He won the 5,000-meter prelim, won his 5K in his off event, really showcasing his incredible talent in front of the world. But the big problem, like I was alluding to, is that the first day of the Olympics for the track events, the 10,000 final takes place and happens to fall in the night of round one of the 1,500-meter prelims. And, And these two events are roughly 10 hours apart. The schedule that Ingebrigtsen would have to face to pull off this daunting, I mean, incredibly daunting uh, triple would be incredibly difficult. I mean, the 1500 meter and 5,000 meter double is difficult enough, but you throw in a 10,000 meters, an event he doesn't have the most experience with, and then you go ahead and you put it first. That's the first final you run. It's going to be difficult. I don't know if it's going to happen, but it would be something special if he were to pull it off. He certainly has everything he needs to pull it off too. We're more than a year away plenty of time to kind of build that strength, build that 10,000 meter distance, that endurance he needs to pull this off. But I would also consider him the overwhelming favorite in the 1500 meters, as well as the favorite in the 5k. But if it were, it would take a really something special for Ingebrigtsen, who's only run 2754 in the 10k PR that he ran in 2019 to storm into Paris, run a 1500 meter prelim and 10 hours later, take down the world record holder, Joshua Cheptegei, and among others, over 10,000 kilometers, or excuse me, 10 kilometers. And I'm not saying it's impossible. I've already said that before. But it's hard to see him wanting to attempt this and getting his time fast enough to compete against the other long-distance specialists in this event, the ones that are coming to Paris simply to run this event. Uh, and he has to still run a 1,500-meter prelim the day before, a semifinal, a final, a 5K prelim, and a 5K final. Really difficult to see if he's pulling this off. I'm not saying it's impossible again, uh, but I would admire the attempt and effort from Ingebrigtsen if he did attempt this in 2024. I don't believe there's any other distance runner currently capable of pulling it off, but that's something we'll have to wait and see. Again, that's something I saw in Let's Run, thought it was pretty cool. I did want to pose this, uh, kind of kick off the episode with that. Uh, my inspiration for the short spill again came from them their twitter page and appreciate the open dialogue that jonathan gold and rojo uh, brought to the lecture podcast this past week uh, if you haven't heard that go check that out because they go in depth of this entire what goes into the 1500 5k 10k again highly encourage you to go listen to that but that's enough from me let's hear from somebody else and without further ado i welcome to today's guest Toby Golter, I feel like this has been episode several weeks in the making. You've been a very active member in the outside Oval community, participating in the podcast Strava Club, interacting with each one of my posts I make on the account. And the two of us have really developed a relationship through this platform. So it's really good to have you on the show today. Yeah, man. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, Happy New Year as well. Um, Yeah, no, it's been a long time in the making. Uh, Yeah, I've been following uh, outside the Oval for a while, so... Um, you know, I was listening to Andy's podcast on Tuesday, also a fellow teammate of mine. So yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Super happy to have you. And if you haven't listened to that show already, highly recommend it. Uh, I had a really good interview with Andy. 
But since I mentioned Strava, I think that's where we ought to start today's show. You've really put together quite the block of training as of late, putting together two straight 100-mile weeks as of recording this, uh, and you've really dominated the outside the oval leaderboard week in and week out. Uh, hopefully, I'll catch you this week with a day <laughs> off. We'll see. Um, but what motivated you to put in this much work this winter, entering the winter and spring track seasons? Yeah, so... Um... Yeah, you'll probably definitely catch me this week being Sunday day off. So, uh, yeah, I have to, you know, get my get my mileage back up. But I think just after, like, like Boston, I had a, a decent 5K, you know, 14 flat and 8-second eight, eight PR on the track. Um, but going, you know, back further than that, um, in the summer, I actually had my wisdom teeth out. So... Uh, I got all four out, which took me out for a while. I was I was pretty uh, upset and kind of, you know, I wanted to, and I was going to come back, and a lot of people were going to be, you know, fitter than me. So it's like, okay, what you know, what what do I do? Okay, and so I was like, well, I need to string weeks of consistency together, uh, work with my coach, and um, you know, try and get back, you know, to the the Mac conference, uh, which is our conference champs, and then try and get to regionals and then to nationals uh, at Oklahoma, which was the goal. So Kind of having the championships in mind, I uh, strung pretty much. I worked my way up from you know 80 miles a week, and then now running you know 100 100 miles a week and above. So um, yeah, I mean it's I have a actually a notes thing of you know how many miles and um, you know double workouts I have I've done over the past you know, three months since cross country, and I've done this will be my 20th week at. Um, consistent mileage and um, and uh, pretty decent workouts. Yeah, and taking a look at your training now versus what it was one year ago, what would you say is the biggest difference? I think just probably what I can handle. Um, I mean, last year I had I had some great workouts, um, especially probably more towards indoor. Uh, I think the one workout I I would highlight that. They're really. I was like, like, wow, like I'm gonna run pretty fast over over three k uh, this year uh, indoors. Is uh, we did we did twelve or ten to twelve by eight hundred, and it was two minutes rest, and we averaged. We started at two oh eight and we ended at two oh six, and I was like, oh, well, I couldn't do that a year ago, and now I can do that. And then the next day, I think we went out, uh, did a long run, and it was. You know, it was a decent, steady long run, which I, which I'm big, which I'm big for the, the long runs. Um, yeah, and then probably like going to this year, it's like I found running, you know, two two O's for eight hundreds so much harder back, you know, back last year than like, you know, I did a workout this morning that was, you know, around that pace the whole way, and I was just like, yeah, the more you can handle, and probably just like, you know. The, the strings of mileage also helped me uh, able to handle the the speed stuff. So, yeah, I mean, really uh, happy with how I've kind of transitioned from like last year in training towards this year. Yeah, and Toby, all things considered, would you rather get your run done in the morning or maybe wait until the evening to run? Oh, um, I do. I do actually like running. I think if it's a longer run, uh, you know, 10, 12 miles, like on a, uh, probably, probably more in the morning, but like, I love, I love doing like a shakeout run, like after workout. And that's 
I, I quite I think the time like four thirty or five is always a great time to run. It's like just before dinner, so you can just come home and you know have a have a decent dinner and you know you feel like you've done stuff for the day. But yeah, I mean no preference really. I mean if the if the guys are running in the morning, then it's like, all right, go in the morning, you know, running with the boys is, is a lot of fun. So yeah, and then um but if I have to do it in the evening, it's like, oh well, just get on out there and that's kind of the ones where I tend to go a little bit faster. But <laughs> Yeah, I can certainly relate with the eating before dinner. I love going to this uh, dining hall after a nice four or five mile shakeout. Uh, last winter, though, you went out to Flagstaff and you had the opportunity to train at 7,000 feet of elevation. Uh, could you talk about your opinions on altitude training, what benefits of doing it are, and uh, what benefits you believe you received by going out there? Yeah, so um, the Christmas, like Christmas break, um, I haven't really been able to go home like at all since I've been in college. Cause I mean, it's what two and a bit weeks. So it's not really like beneficial to go all the way home to New Zealand, acclimatize, you know, um, kind of the time shift and then come back. So, uh, <laughs> my parents have been pretty good with being like, Oh, well, where do you want to go? What's, you know, that's, that's going to be your Christmas present. So I'm like, well, uh, I want to, I want to go to Flagstaff and, you know, train up there and, so the first winter I went out there would have been probably 20 or oh, 2020. Yeah. 2020. And then, yeah, I went out there and uh, met you know, a lot of, you know, in Flagstaff, you meet a lot of really, really good runners, the, you know, the best runners in the world. Then you've got the Northern Arizona team who are, you know, who are really, really good. Um, yeah. We, we went up there and um, I thought the whole experience went really well. And then, I'd say the the next the next year 2021 um going going up there I um I was probably a bit more aware of altitude because um it was my second time going up there and yeah the the benefits on altitude training I think for myself is just you know I think it's really beneficial for me being a kind of a mileage monster and a you know kind of aerobic demon but um <laughs> I like that so, one. I haven't heard that one before yeah um <laughs> I would say, yeah, the the two the two the two weeks in Flagstaff probably didn't do me like didn't give me the huge amount of benefit that I would get if I stayed for longer. But uh, I think the when I started to really notice the benefit was the following summer uh, when we went out to Colorado as a team. Um, I kind of knew how my body like adapted to altitude. Um, yeah, going to going to flag seven thousand feet and going to Colorado Springs, which is six thousand. So it's a it's a, it's actually a major difference that I that I felt. And in flag, I could I was able to string you know hunt you know two hundred mile weeks together. Then I came down, I ran a I ran a mile three k double, and I felt like it was just unreal. Like I could recover like super quick between a mile you know a, a mile and three k, which was you know an hour and a half to two hours. I ran, I ran my PR there 408 and then I ran, um, I ran eight, eight eleven. So, which is still my PRs today. Um, but I mean, I think the, yeah, they'll get faster. But um, yeah, then got Colorado Springs was we were there for a six week, uh, period over summer. So the from the month of July to August, and yeah, just just being at altitude, it kind of gives you the that feeling of you know, you're at altitude. So it's like, you know, everything, you just want to run all the time. Yeah. So 
I think the altitude training really works. And then coming, you just, once you're up there, you look forward to coming back down because it's like, wow, like running up, running up hills is like, like you're running on the flat or like, you just feel like you can just feel like you recover so much easier. So yeah, altitude training certainly works if you do it properly as well. So yeah. Mm -hmm. While in Flagstaff, did you happen to go anywhere special, maybe like the Grand Canyon or Phoenix or anything like that? Yeah. So, um, we went to the Grand Canyon. Uh, the, the the first year I went, we went to the Grand Canyon, uh, which was like mesmerizing. It was like looking at like a picture, and it was like, oh, this is like not even real. And then this, the my mum was like, she called me, and she was, oh, you know, I heard you heard you went to the Grand Canyon. I was like, yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. And um, and uh, she was like, well, you better take that opportunity because you know you never know. You're probably never going to go there again. And then fast forward. 365 days and i'm back there again yeah i mean it was yeah i mean also like the views and flagstaff super nice went down to to sedona which is a beautiful part and um into phoenix as well so yeah why in the united states there's there seems to be a lot of places like the grand canyon that people who aren't from the united states like you have on their bucket list what are some places in the united states that are on your bucket list that you haven't been to yet yeah, I think I've been pretty fortunate um, enough to see, I think I've seen 19 states. Yeah, Boston was my 19th state. Yeah, so I've got a list on my phone of how many states I've been to. And, you know, I'm kind of a bit nerdy there. But, um, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like going out west. I think that's a beautiful part of the U.S. Uh, I haven't I haven't ventured down to, like, the nice parts of Florida yet. I've been to Tallahassee, but that was just for a race. Um, yeah. I've kind of seen all my my really cool like the my really ones that are on my bucket list you know the arizona the colorado uh, montana uh i haven't i haven't been to washington or oregon uh kind of those parts of the country would be quite cool to see uh and also yeah new york would be also a really cool one um you know my parents say you know why don't, why don't you go to new york for christmas or for new year i was like wow that's yeah that's a cool place but you know it's not really like great for training if i want to run around the, the city all the time so i'm always kind of laser focused on where i can run and like you know what supports my training the best but you know, i want to definitely see those parts the yeah, new york and the kind of the east coast as well absolutely and you've done a lot of your training though in ypsilanti with eastern mm. michigan you've done some in flagstaff but i'm sure you've done your fair share running in new england uh or New Zealand, excuse me, mm -hmm. considering you're a four-time New Zealand national champion. Uh, could you share what the differences are between training in the United States and places such as Flagstaff and Ypsilanti in comparison to New Zealand? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, you know, listening to your some of your past episodes um, and, you know, also going off kind of what, you know, Andy said on his episode on, on Tuesday is – you guys have the whole whole high school um, kind of running running scene, and I thought I think that is like super cool, uh, like how you guys can have, you know, the kind. I mean, there's more people in the US, but I mean, you know, here you have the whole high school running scene, and you know, then you got the whole like you go to college and where do you want to go for college because to race. Um, yeah, so I mean, I I, I really find that quite cool. Uh, the, the whole high school high school um, running scene here but i mean in new zealand so you you kind of graduate high school and then it's it's like all right 
do I go to university uh, in this place, in this place? Um, and it's purely based on academics. So you go to school for uh, undergrads three years in New Zealand and you take your major and, and then, you know, from there on. But my first, na- my first national title on the track was, was probably one of, you know, the races where I was like, all right, well, now I'm the best over the track. Now what can I do over all these other disciplines? And yeah, I mean, it was, I was uh, fortunate enough to just, uh, yeah, and that, that helped me get a scholarship to come over to the U.S. Yeah, and I would imagine that running is not the only thing you found different in Michigan compared to what you're used to in New Zealand. So I do have a few questions about that. First, what mm-hmm. country's food would you say you like better, New Zealand's or United States? <laughs> I think there's more. Uh, I think there's more variety in in the U.S. Uh, uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of uh, different restaurants. I mean, I've never heard of Chipotle till I got to America. Um, you know, or either alone, uh, you know, Olive Garden, or all these different, all these different restaurants that we don't really have in New Zealand. But New Zealand, we have a lot of, um, we eat a lot of like seafood. Uh, a regular, regular Friday night, in New Zealand would be, you know, going down to the fish and chip shop and getting fish and chips for everyone. Yeah, uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great meal, but have it all the time. And then. Uh, and then we have like lamb, which is also, we have a lot of sheep in New Zealand. So um, we tend to have quite a bit of lamb. And then uh, pavlova, which uh, the Australians think they can take, but I think it's still originated in uh, New Zealand. Uh, maybe a fact check, fact check me on that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I would say there's just more variety over here than there, than there is in uh, New Zealand. And I mean, you can get food, you can get food anywhere. But I, I would say... I like, I probably like the food in New Zealand a little bit more just cause like my mum was always really, really good at cooking and my dad, my dad also, and my stepmom was from, is from Brazil. So she cooks a lot of uh, different kinds of food and baking and that. So yeah, you know, you can never uh, cancel out a home cooked meal, but I mean, here, you know, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of Mexican food as well, which is pretty nice. And uh, yeah, but I mean, you'd have to check it out sometime if you ever come to New Zealand. <laughs> Yeah, in the United States, there seems to be a lot of notable brands as well. There's Amazon, Google, Apple, and then in the running world, there's Nike, New Balance, Skechers, various others as well. What would you say is your favorite running brand and why? Uh, I think I've probably, well, at the moment, uh, I'm running in I'm running in a lot of like Essex shoes. I really like the Nova Blasts, which I, which I just got. Um, they were also just voted like running warehouse top shoe, so... Um, I really like those. They're like super light and also really cushioned. So I have a couple pairs of those um, and I just kind of alternate them uh, days. I have the Brooks uh, Ghosts as well. And we get given shoes uh, from Adidas for school. So I'm not a, I'm not like a huge, a huge fan right now of the, of running in them, but the, uh, the, the solar boosts are a little bit heavy, but I like them for like kind of, you know, gym work and, uh, uh, you know, just if I was going out on like an easy shakeout run. So they're pretty good. But yeah, mostly just a lot of like, like cushion shoes, Essex. And um, I, I really like the Adios Pros from Adidas, uh, from Adidas as well. The, 
They're a really good shoe. I use them. Taking a look at your career so far at Eastern Michigan, though, you've run some pretty fast times. I think uh, more are on the way considering some of the workouts you've had this winter. Most notably, there are two races that popped off the list for me, and you kind of mentioned both of them already. Uh, the Mac cross-country championships that you mentioned you came in second you fell just a few seconds short of the win how did that race go i uh yeah physically felt good mentally felt good and the day before i was just like like day before i like to i like to keep it pretty light like low-key and light like i just like to talk to people and you know laugh and have fun and but also you know focus on what i have to do and yeah i, I remember the day before like it was perfect conditions the the course was like it was four laps of just like a, a flat just I, I can't really explain it but it was just like a flat kind of perfect golf course and i was like yeah this course really suits me it's just mentally like easy like knowing that i'm just like i just pretty much just have laps and yeah i felt felt pretty good i knew i don't normally feel like as good doing strides a day before me i don't know what it is but I've never really felt like great doing strides before, like the day before, but I do it anyway because everyone else is doing it. Plus, I, I know, it, you know, it probably feels good to loosen up after travel. Yeah, and it just first lap was, I felt pretty good. Um, just like keep my eyes, keep my eyes forward and try not to make too, too many movements, follow the tangents, which I think is important. Um, yeah, and... I think I got to the third lap and one of the Toledo uh, Toledo Kenyans made a move uh, and he kind of like put a put a burst in and I was and I was like oh yeah okay well it, it kind of hurts the sprint right now but I went with it and and then he kind of just backed off so it was like okay well I know you're hurting so it's like it's like it was kind of felt like a fart lick really. And then I remember getting into the fourth lap and it was starting to spice up a little bit. People were starting to drop off a little bit. And I remember there was a, there was a pack of me, uh, some Miami guys. Vinny was there, which was also very comforting having my teammate there. Um, and then, yeah. And then the Toledo guys. So I knew that, okay, well, I can run with these guys. So the fourth lap was all right. Now it's, now it's 2k to the finish. And there's a hill just before you get round into the, into the final straight. And I was like, I'm going to make, I already decided the day before I'm going to make my move right here. And I stuck, like there was a plan. I, st I stuck to the plan and uh, roared up, roared up the hill. And some people went back, some people went back. And then I felt Vinny go with me, which was like, cool, my teammates here. So it's like, you know, team points, team points. That's what we're looking for. And then, and then I was like, I think it was, I, I didn't see anyone in front of me. I was at the front and then all of a sudden, Obsa, a good friend of mine from Miami, came past me and he started sprinting. And I was like, okay, time to turn the jets on. And I was like, okay, this is all I have. <laughs> and so it's like, I didn't have you know, much speed at the end and he had a lot, but I was still I was still going for it. I think our last, our last 3K was 840-ish or something like that. Yeah, he went and it was just like, okay, I tried to catch him, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't have much left, and um, yeah, he he took the he took the win, and you know I was second. Uh, previously, the year before, I was third. So you know, I saw that that movement up to second. You know, it's the sometimes it's not the biggest jump. Sometimes it's just those small jumps that you know, kind of those affirmation. 
Yeah, and a little bit more recently, you raced at Boston going 14.00.17 in the 5K. Uh, how do you feel being that close to a sub-14 5K, and what worked well for you during that one? Yeah, um, was, I mean, this is a funny one, kind of. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, never been to Boston before, so I always knew that it had a reputation to be quite fast, and I knew all the best athletes were going to be there from, you know, from, around the, from around the place. And yeah, uh, I, I remember the whole, just the kind of atmosphere was just really, really inducive towards like running, running fast. A lot of, I mean, there was, I was in the sixth heat or something and my friend Kai Robinson from Australia, he ran 13, 11. So like, you know, he, you know, very, very good guy. And, um, you know, it's just like, you see all these guys run fast. It's like, okay, cool. Like, you know, it sets that environment up to, you know, perform well. I didn't get out that well, first of all. My first lap was, uh, coach told me it was 69 for the first lap, which was, you know, not not the pace that I should I should be running. And so I kind of got out slow, but I didn't panic. And um, I was just found myself just trailing along at the back. And I I got to the point where I was like, well, I'm going to come here. It's I'm, I'm not going to be, you know, just stick around at the back. So... I was patient and I moved kind of through the field uh, and picked off people kind of like, you know, one, two by two. And I think I was, I was at the mile and I was kind of just crawling back up towards behind the Providence guy, uh, my friend, David McGlynn from Providence. And I was like, okay, perfect. Now I'm back in, I'm back in position now. And, you know, going through the mile in 432 and then um, kind of just like sticking there. And then, yeah, so I I used quite a lot of energy at the start of the race, especially in the first mile to 2k, and so I knew that like, you know, I just have to stay strong and and be patient. And yeah, I, I can't remember. I mean, there's so much so much going on, but I mean, I got to the last mile and I was like, okay, this is this was really 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 hard, um, but I feel like you know I'm on good pace here and I know I can finish. So. I I was in second now and right behind the New Mexico kid and and it was just like trying to tick off lap by lap and I got to the last last 200 and I saw 13.27 on the clock so you know I had to close in 33 to break 14 and at this point my mouth was open my arms were everywhere and like it was okay I wasn't thinking anymore. I was just like, you just got to finish and like finish strong. And I remember just saying that just run a 32. Just, I mean, you know, how hard can it be? Yeah. And then, and then, uh, yeah, I, I crossed the line and I was like, I saw 59 and then, and then I crossed and I was like, okay. So I looked back up at the clock and I was just like, you know, hoping that it was like 13, 59, 97 or 99, but yeah, I uh, I looked up and it was fourteen flat point one seven, and I was just like, first instinct was, damn it, you know, I came to Boston, you know, ah, uh, you know, I wanted to break fourteen, but I also thought, you know, there's a time and a place, and uh, it's a big step in the right direction. I went, you know, seventeenth, I think, oh, seventh all time, school history, and you know, eight second PR, so. You know, I had there was two positives out of that race was the PR, you know, doing, you know, getting the getting on the school history board, 
and then you know just a big step in the right direction coming off cross country and yeah so i mean it's easy to be hard on yourself and be like you know you could have just closed in 33 you know i closed in what 33 point you know probably one seven maybe whatever that math is but and so you know i was there was one side i was disappointed and one side i was like it's a step in the right direction and you know i'm happy with kind of how i've how i've overcame this barrier and that december meet you know is probably gonna set me up well to run you know outdoors in the 10 and the you know in the five and you know when I, if i have another go indoors at the five you know i think yeah hopefully get a good pb out of that yeah and earlier you mentioned that you kind of like to keep things light before a race but what are some other pre-race rituals you have whether that's music you listen to food you eat what, what would those be mm. um yeah i uh oh, yeah it's a it's a it's a really good question uh I think the the whole whole music thing. I uh, I like to I do that day before, like kind of a little bit on the bus ride, maybe. Um, you know, if if everyone's like quiet or having a nap, I like to chuck my headphones in. Um, and yeah, I really I really like listening to a lot of the older kind of music. I'm definitely like into the Eagles, you know, Hotel California, um, you know, Take It Easy, kind of that stuff. And they also like you know country, kind of, a little bit of country music and rock and roll. Um, and then, you know, kind of varieties up to Eminem and, you know, kind of the rap kind of music. So very, very big variety of music. Uh, the, like the morning of the meet, uh, I, I don't know. I like to, I like to listen to, uh, I don't know. I've listened to podcasts in the past before I knew outside the oval existed. Obviously, um, I listened to a little bit of like the, the coffee club. Uh, I think they're a you know, decent podcast. So I listened to them. And then, uh, and then, yeah, just, yeah. Otherwise I don't, didn't really listen to music. I don't really listen to music on like warm ups or, um, you know, I'm normally just like to be present in the moment and enjoy and, uh, be with the team and, you know, just, in, just in my own head, um, food wise the night before I, we were, I mean, you don't really tend to have a choice because, you know, it's, uh, whatever you get the night pre-meet is what the, you know, the coaches set up and, normally really really good we have you know, olive garden or uh i mean what, we've, what else we've had in the past but yeah, we, we would go out and get some kind of italian stuff which is which is good i mean carbs 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 and then uh yeah so yeah kind of just keep it normal i mean you know chicken pasta um massive fan of indian food probably have it five nights maybe even three nights a week just because it's just just really easy to make and i love curry and stuff so yeah have that um normally like to have that maybe a couple nights before the race because it can be really really filling and then uh yeah kind of just like a pasta and chicken something nice and easy uh that sits well and i know sits well the night before a meet so Mm -hmm. yeah the mac championships were in athens ohio the home of ohio university and then 5k you ran in boston the origin of the american revolution uh, that's two places you got to experience that you might not have gotten to experience before, but you spent most of your time in Ypsilanti in Michigan. What mm-hmm. makes that place special to you? I think uh, there's a, there's a lot of like, nice places to run here. I mean, I think it's pretty underrated. We've got the, there's like the dirt roads, which is two miles from my house and you can just run out there and it's endless amount of just like dirt roads. And uh, you know, you can do, I've done 22 miles out there. I've done 20 miles and it's, uh, yeah, I mean, so there's 
pretty nice place to run. We've got a bike path. You can run all the way to, to Ann Arbor towards U of M. And yeah, just like a pretty cool, pretty cool lake down, you know, we, we all go to like in, in the summer to like hang out, kind of like a beach thing, but it's like a, just go to the docks and you might run out to the docks and run home or like, you know, sit on the docks and enjoy the sun. But yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the places to run, uh, there's, there's decent amount. I mean, yeah, we live in the, I mean, it's a smaller kind of city, a uh, you know, kind of town. Um, so, you I mean, you've got Ann Arbor, which is 15, 10 minutes up the road. So you can go up there and if you want to watch a football game, if you want to, you know, some of the guys are going out to the hockey tonight to watch your Michigan game. Um, yeah, but you, you can run out there. So, I mean, I, I think uh, Ipsy, um, yeah, it's just kind of reminds me of home a little bit as well. I mean, uh, not so much in terms of like the 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 scenery more just like it's a smaller everyone kind of knows each other the it's a college town i mean we live on a street where there's uh there's um different you know different athletes and different teams so it's like you know we we get together um you know hang out on a friday night or something like that so yeah i mean it's a it's a small town where everyone knows each other so i mean yeah everyone's uh pretty low-key about things and uh and then you i mean we've got campus which is which is really really close to my house so you know we can walk you know just under a mile to you know less than a mile to our indoor track and then run out to our outdoor track but yeah it's a it's a special place and you know it's a home away from home you know so i haven't really lived in many other places apart from here and new zealand so you know you kind of have to you know when i first got here which was funny enough. I actually got a, a Snapchat memory yesterday. Was a year, was a year ago since I've uh, three years ago since I've been in the US. So, um, yeah. So I mean, home away from home and just like yeah, cool place where uh, yeah, everyone everyone knows each other and just yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure if you knew this, but uh, Ypsilanti is also the home of the first ever Domino's Pizza. Uh, real quickly, mm. have you ever had Domino's Pizza? Yeah, funny you say that. I, I did. There was one of the facts that some one of the guys told me on the very, very first day I got here was like, yeah, that's the very first Domino's. And funny enough, it's literally just 200 meters up the road. I've actually, I've been there before. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, uh, yeah, I think I, after the season, we, we've, we've been to Domino's before and we've got stuff and it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, you know. Yeah, I'll be honest. I love pizza. Domino's might be hit or miss. Mm. More of just if I'm hungry and need cheap pizza, I'll go grab it. But my question for that is, what do you usually get on your pizza? On my pizza? Oh, I mean, I haven't. Really, I don't really have pizza that much, but I, I'm. I really like. I really like a like a meat lovers pizza. You know, so like, uh, think meat lovers or um barbecue chicken pizza. Yeah, that's why that's always a good one. So like that's uh what's sausage, uh pepperoni, bacon, I guess. Yeah, so yeah, big big I meat pizza guy. Board. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, I, can get, I can get on board with the meat lovers pizza. Well, what's yours? Uh, I need to stop bringing up food. I'd probably go pepperoni, banana, pepper. Oh <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, nice, nice. We keep we keep bringing this food up. I think it's the third question I've asked. Uh, I got to stop talking about it. About well, it's probably your dinner time soon, right? So, <laughs> yeah, just about. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna go down to eat after this. I'm kind of my stomach's <laughs> rumbling. Uh, yeah, right. But I do have one more question on the topic. During these high mileage weeks, how hungry do you usually get, and what's a typical day look like eating for you 
while training? Yeah, I mean, the the high mileage, definitely you have to eat a decent amount because, I mean, you know, what the fuel that you put in is what you're going to get out. And, uh, yeah, so I think it's um, – I get pretty hungry, especially on the, you know, the mileage weeks above above 100. I think my body's so used to running, like, high mileage now that I'm, like, it just almost becomes normality. But, I mean – you know, when I take like a bit of a break of running high mileage and then go back up, it's like, okay, yeah, I feel significantly like more hungrier, but um, yeah, I mean, typical day, like for eating, as I mentioned before, like, yeah, the, the banana on toast, um, I come home from, from a workout or, or a run. And I always think a safe option. I like to have uh, like a poached egg on a bagel and then I'll have some like ham, which is good. You got the, you got the protein and the carbs, and yeah and i also you know maybe if i'm still a little bit hungry after that i might make a make a smoothie or something you know berries uh berries and banana uh i like to put some chia seeds in there for extra protein and um yeah and, so, and some nuts as well actually yeah there's, there's always some some key ingredients in, in the toby smoothies but i mean uh and then yeah i put that in with uh with oat milk which i like to drink pretty soon i mean i try to give myself that kind of you know 30 minute to 15 minute window of like yeah i have to get something in my mouth like a protein bar um i like the elevation or the cliff bars i think you know they're just pretty safe and yeah so i've kind of became better at kind of the more the nutrition side of like you know i I know like what to eat and what is good for me and like you know i know i have to get carbs and protein and then it's like, but, you know, this is the timing of like when you eat. And so like trying to eat pretty soon after I work out, like, you know, as soon as I click my watch, it's like, you know, it's time to like warm down and, and then, you know, you, you eat after that. And then you go home and you make yourself a decent sized meal, a bigger meal to help you recover better. And But finally moving past food, have you ever had the desire to run professionally? And is that something you think you will do at the end of your career at Eastern Michigan? Yes, absolutely. Um, I I think when, when ever since I was young, uh, as I mentioned previously, like before, that when I start a sport, you know, when I started playing rugby, when I started playing soccer, I'd always had the dedication and kind of the mindset that I want to be really good at it. And I want to be either running for, I want to be, you know, competing for New Zealand uh, and competing professionally. And yeah, so uh, professional running after after college is something that I, I really, really want to do. And I think that has always been, ever since I started running, I was like, yeah, well, okay, so I'm going to, I want to, I'm you know, I'm going to do all these miles and I'm going to run these workouts and I'm going to take all these opportunities. Um, and then, which obviously led me to coming to America. And I think, you know, uh, New Zealand, uh, it's, a, it's a great place to train. Um, a lot of good athletes there, uh, but it's it's not as conducive to probably running professionally after after you finish like university over there. So, I mean, you and obviously in the US you get a lot more exposure competing with you know you obviously have the pro scene here and you have the best college athletes. So it's like you have to surround yourself with the best to be the best. And um, yeah, so running professionally. Uh, you know, for whoever for whoever it is um 
is, is definitely the biggest goal, biggest goal for me. And also getting to compete for New Zealand at, you know, World Cross Country, Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games. Uh, is also you know one of the highest uh, priorities for me staying on track on in terms of running for one last question what are some bucket list races that you want to compete in before your running days are over before my running days are over oh wow okay so i have to start pretty like i think yeah obviously ncaa cross country um i think you know if you're in college that's the race you you need to be running at uh and then yeah, running in the 10k outdoors at nationals, also, also another, you know, also another big milestone that I would like to do. Uh, you know, and that's not just like running at national cross country. I'd like to, you know, be all American. You know, be in the contention. And then, uh, yeah, I would. I think I've always thought that my potential later on is going to be on the roads. Um, every coach has said to me. Oh yeah, your yeah, potential is probably going to be on the road, yeah, and the marathon, the half. Um, so, yeah, I would love, I would love to do Berlin one day. Uh, that would be pretty cool. I know that's a pretty fast like marathon, and um, yeah, and just like trying to find the fast, like maybe a fast half marathon as well, like post college. And then, yeah, running. I also, you know, want to get my times down in the in the mile as well. Um, I have a, my a ch- opportunity next week in Michigan to, you know, try and run a fast mile. And, um, yeah, so breaking four would be pretty cool, uh, being a part of that. Um, not, not a lot of a lot of New Zealanders, not a lot of New Zealanders have done it, but we have a rich uh, history of, you know, good milers, 1,500 metres runners, Nick Willis. Um, so, yeah, and, yeah, just, um, you know, being a nationals over here and then uh you know trying to run world cross country com games and then olympics whether that be 10k marathon 5k you never know what position you're going to be in so yeah i have all these all these races that i want to do it's just like all right now i gotta now i just gotta run these these smaller these not smaller races but these races uh that will get me to the next level and that's you know the nationals here and then and then so on so yeah, and this is the last question I have for you today. Considering all the great things that come from this sport, what would be your favorite thing about running, and why would that be? Favorite running, uh, oh, um, I would say definitely the to the US. I would never have got the opportunity if I didn't start running. Uh, wouldn't have been able to meet, you know, some of my closest friends, and yeah, and also you know being able to compete um, around the world for for New Zealand. Uh, you know. I don't think I would have probably competed in for soccer or for rugby or, you know, a lot of other sports. So I just, you know, it's kind of given me that opportunity to, um, you know, compete uh, at the at the highest level and for New Zealand and um, you know trying to be recognised as a you know New Zealand distance runner would be pretty cool. Yeah, and Toby, it's been great having you on the show. I've had a great time getting to know you more, and I can't wait to see how your track season goes. And thank you all for giving today's episode a listen. Be sure to check out the Outside the Oval Instagram and Twitter pages for more content. But we'll see you all next Tuesday for another trip outside the Oval.